The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as I begin, I want you to keep that passage earlier, specifically the events revolving around Thomas in the back of your mind. And also, just a little precaution, I promise, pay, keep, stick with me, because it's going to sound like I'm speaking heresy, but stick with me a little bit. All right. So, as we are on the second Sunday of Easter, a very important question can be asked. And it's, a very, it's actually almost the question a lawyer would ask when investigating anything. What is the motive? Why did the disciples lie about the resurrection? Now, stick with me here. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> so, why did they lie? It's a very, very important question. It is a question that, however you answer, has extreme ramifications. If you answer one way, and if you answer with, give one answer... It renders the entire Christian faith meaningless of, and of absolutely no importance. If you answer it that one way, you could close, you could, we could cancel church, we could go home, go back to our warm beds, go to sleep, we don't have to have Sunday school, and we could repurpose this building, and it could be a nice community center. And in fact, there's a really good book that... Um, Paul Meyer wrote that's called Skeleton in God's Closet. And in the book, he actually does explore the hypothetical. What would happen if somebody actually found the bones of Jesus? They found a definitive, without a doubt proof, that this is the Son of God, that this is Jesus. And he said, and basically the whole point is that that actually happened, then we'd be done. There's no point. Our faith, nothing we have is of any meaning, meaning of any significance. On Thursday night, I went to the movie um, I Can Only Imagine, which, by the way, is actually a really good movie. Um, although, if you're going to go to it in Holstein, I've heard you need to be there early because they keep selling out. So, um, I think it's actually a pretty worthwhile movie. But here's the thing is, and by the way, if you go, bring Kleenexes because you might tear up a little bit. But that movie, as good of a story as it is, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, that entire movie is a completely meaningless movie. Without the resurrection, it's all meaningless. So again, I go back to the lawyer question. What is the motive? Why would the disciples lie? And so we had to first get away, get past the fact that Jesus of Nazareth, who lived in, was crucified under the reign of Pontius Pilate during the reign, during the, in Jerusalem of Judea. We had to get past that fact. It is a historical detail that is attested by people such as Tacitus, who is one of the greatest Roman historians of the ancient world. Josephus, 
who is one of the great Jewish historians of the ancient world, the writings of Pliny the Younger, the writings of the Talmud, which actually has the arrest warrant for Jesus. There is a, and of course, how many books are there in the New Testament? This is a confirmation question. 27. That is 20. The New Testament is not one book. It's 27 books. The Bible itself is a collection of books, not one. That's actually very good, because when people say, oh, the Bible's just one evidence for Jesus, you go, no, actually, it's 66 evidences. So keep going. If you had 66, just going with the New Testament itself, 27. If you had 27 detailed evidences about anybody of the ancient world, all within, the sp within a single lifetime, that would be insane. But for some reason, it's not accepted in our historical world. But in the academic world, some reason. But even still, if you are a true academic, truly good historian, you cannot be a good historian and say that Jesus never lived. Even Bart Ehrman, who is a skeptic, he is a guy who sets out to disprove Christianity. Even he said that if I deny that Jesus was alive, that Jesus really lived, and Jesus really was crucified under Pontius Pilate, I'd have to resign from my position as a historian because I would no longer be a good one. So even atheists are really surprised to find it. Like, wait, but you always attack Christianity, but here you are saying that Jesus really lived. So, yes, that evidence is there. Jesus is a real person of history. That's why in our creed a little bit ago we said that he was crucified under whom? Pontius Pilate. That is, letting you, that is a confession that what we are confessing is a matter of historical fact. Not just some nice little fairy tale, a nice little story to get us by through the week. It is something we are confessing that it actually happened. So, assuming that, we again go to the question, what is the motive for lying? And so, we think about it. Why would somebody lie about something like that? They might be trying to get famous. They might try to get money. They might try to get political power. Now, there was a point that the church, the Roman Empire did become Christianized. But that did not happen until 318 AD. The earliest record we have, even by agnostic scholar standard, the earliest evidence we have of people saying that Jesus rose from the dead was 35 AD. That's two years after the crucifixion. That's the earliest recorded evidence we have. So, you know that, that passage that Pastor Salcedo preached on um, in the late service last week? That was not actually Paul's words. Paul is passing on what he received of first importance. He received a, a creed that dates at the latest 35 AD. Some have argued it's dated within months of the crucifixion. So, that... So take that, 35 AD to 318. To give you perspective, just assume that the early disciples could predict 
the Christianization of the Roman Empire is like saying that George Washington was able to predict that a, that a reality show character, a reality show actor, would become president of the United States. You think that's possible? The real question, would he have predicted reality TV? Probably not. But that's how ridiculous it is because it's, we're talking about a 280-year span. The United States hasn't even reached 250 years. So it's kind of absurd to think that they could have foreseen that. But rather, what the apostles did get for confessing what they did, what they confessed, you take Thomas, the, the person in our, in our text today, Thomas was the one who demanded that he feel the wounds in Jesus' side. And record has it that he received a spear in his own side, and that is how he was killed. Refusing to deny that he saw Jesus rose from the dead. And the thing is, note that they would have to be, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, they would have to be lying. Now, this is, not, this is not like extremist Muslims. Extremist Muslims have never seen Muhammad. They believe it to be true. They don't know for a fact it isn't. With the disciples, if anybody knew that Jesus did not rise from the dead, it was him. And so, it, it was them. They would know. And so they would have to be dying for something they know to be a lie. So Peter, Peter was crucified upside down after being forced to watch his own wife be crucified. Yes, Peter was married. And that's actually recorded in the Gospels too, that he was married. But anyways, how about Paul? The Apostle Paul was a superstar in his culture. He was well on his way to be at least on the, high, on the, the council you know, on the Sanhedrin, he was going to be really well respected amongst his people. He could have at the very maximum one day, maybe even been high priest. And high priest was a pretty sweet gig. I mean, they got a palace. I mean, ar I mean archaeologists have found some of the stuff that um, was left behind by Caiaphas' empire. And he had like, he had gold everything. The guy was filthy rich. And yet, what did, what, did, what did Paul get for becoming a Christian? People throwing rocks at his head, beating him with rods, being beaten by the, the cat and nine tails, you know, that same whip that they whipped Jesus with. They did that to him five times in his life. His back would look like hamburger meat by that time. They gained no power. They gained no wealth. Rather, they lost their, many of them probably were, many of them were alienated by their family members. They are beaten, they are tortured, they're constantly in jail. That is what they got. Does it seem like a really good motive? I mean, like, take, take, um, the, take Barnabas. He's the one that probably suffered the most excruciating. He is the one who they flayed him. They peeled his skin and then they crucified him. You figure at some point, like especially like him, he would have said after a few moments, like, okay, okay, it's, it's just a big joke. 
sorry, this is an April Fool's joke that just went way too far. They didn't say anything. They didn't confess it. They didn't say they were lying. And some people might, there's a, there's a theory that they hallucinated it. The likelihood of 12 people hallucinating the exact same thing on multiple occasions, if you're going to believe that that happened, you might as well just believe the resurrection because it's as likely, scientifically speaking. Or there's those who say, well, they, there's what's known as the swoon theory, that Jesus faked dying. First off, you have to deal with the historical fact that there is no historical record of anyone surviving a crucifixion. Second, after Jesus was crucified, what did they do? They drove a spear into his side. What came out? Blood and water. The blood is coming from his heart. The water is coming from the cardial sac, which surrounds the heart, which always fills up with fluid when someone is crucified. Basically, when that, the detail of the blood and the water is to let you know that that spear went to the heart. So if the crucifixion didn't kill him, the spear did. And besides, you realize how hard it would be to fake to the disciples after just you know, 60 hours that he rose from the dead? I mean, I don't know about you, if, remember when you were a kid and you fell off a bike and you got a horribly scraped up knee? Actually, how many of you, when you fall down, like when you're in your, even a few years later, you fell on your knees, you got scraped up, was it healed in two days? No, it's still bugging you for a while. Are you going to tell me that after everything Jesus experienced, that after 60, 60 hours, he's all of a sudden going to look brand new? I mean, he's not Wolverine. He doesn't have super healing powers. Well, he did, but I mean, if he survived, you know, anyways, I guess technically he did. But you can't fake that. Or even there's the theory that the disciples stole the body. Well, to give you perspective, think of your average guy that's out on the lake on your average weekend fishing. That's the apostles. Now think of your average Navy SEAL and except for only better at fighting. And notice I said better than a Navy SEAL because Navy SEALs are pretty much the best. Because the ancient world was even better than we are. Because they had to be hand combat people. They didn't have guns. So those are the guys that are in charge of guarding the body of Jesus. So pit the Navy SEALs only better against your average guy out on the lake you know, Memorial Day weekend, fishing and probably drinking a few beers. Which one do you think is going to win that battle? I'm going with the Navy SEAL guys. It does not, it's not, and not to mention, after they won that battle, they have to have enough strength to move a very heavy stone that's going to take five or six people to move. Doesn't make sense. So you take all that we have and you look at it. And you, what you realize, you look at this and you ask, what is the motive? Why did they lie? And the answer is, they had no motive. There is no reason for what they did. And the reason there's no motive is because they did not lie. They were telling the truth. 
They were telling the truth that Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified under the rule of Pontius Pilate on April 3rd of 33 AD, who was brutally crucified on a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, just outside of Jerusalem of Judea, on April, 30, on April 5th of 33 AD, he was risen. He was fully risen from the dead, a glorious and beautiful body. That is the only solution that makes any sense whatsoever. And the reality is, is that Jesus, if you answer that they were lying, that they were making this all up, then Christianity means nothing. But the reality is, the evidence is all there. And I only gave you a small bit of it. There's a lot more. Even Antony Flew, who was a renowned atheist during the, during the tw late 20th century, he acknowledged that the evidence points to that Jesus rose from the dead. He just could not accept it because resurrections are not possible, in spite of what he saw in the historical evidence. And so it has been acknowledged that the evidence is there. Jesus rose from the dead. And since the evidence is there, and I'm not talking, when I say that Jesus rose from the dead, you know, last Easter, so many people want to come to Easter and they kind of make it this nice little, nice thing we do because it makes us feel good to do it for this one Sunday of the year. Because if we really took to heart, what it actually meant is that Jesus rising from the dead in Jerusalem of Judea on April 5th of 33 AD. Notice I'm using an actual date, an actual year, an actual city. is because it is as real and as historic as Hurricane Katrina, as September 11th, the events of that. You go, if you went to New York in 2000, you would see two huge towering buildings. If you go there now, they're not there anymore. That really happened. It is as historic as the Vietnam War. It's as historic as the Holocaust, although I know there are Holocaust deniers. Although even there you'd explain why 12 million people just happened to disappear. The, the evidence... It is as historic as the Civil War. It's as historic as the American Revolution. It really and actually happened in history. And if that is the case, then nothing in the world is more important than Christianity. Nothing is of more importance than Jesus rose from the dead. Because, for because he rose from the dead, all who hear the gospel, all who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, as you heard in the text at the end this morning, those who, like Thomas, and this is why I'm talking about this today, is because Thomas, he heard the witness of the disciples, his fellow disciples, he didn't believe. He did not believe. He didn't doubt. He disbelieved. He had no faith that Jesus rose from the dead until Jesus showed his face before him. And when he did, he said, my Lord and my God. And so also us. We, we don't, we don't, Jesus isn't going to show himself up here. I mean, he might. But assuming that doesn't happen at any point, the evidence is there. We have the words of the apostles who would rather face excruciating pain than deny that Jesus rose from the dead. And the only answer we could give to that is the same as Thomas. 
my Lord and my God. And we who say that, who believe that he is the Christ, we will have, we have eternal life. And when we face death, just as when Jesus died from the died on the cross and rose from the dead, a glorious body, so shall you. Your body too will arise. As is historic as, and real as the crucifixion is. Like I said, it's historic. It's not like a Harry Potter story or the Avengers movie or whatever, which, you know, I love all that stuff. It's fun to read those. But it actually happened. And because that happened, one day you will all die. Most, unless Jesus returns first. You're all going to die one day. And you know what? You will also rise physically with a glorious body. And it will be as historically true is that you got up this morning and had breakfast, maybe had breakfast. That is how historic and real it is. And here's the thing, like I said, if that is the case, since that is the case, that is the reality, which by the way, if anybody wants to come up and tell, guess what movie I used as the outline of my sermon, I'll give you, I'll give you a five, and I'm gonna high five, not five dollars. but. That was actually based off a great movie speech by Al Pacino. You could look it up. But it outlined. But the thing is, if Jesus, since that is the case, since that is the truth, it is the most important thing in the world. So the question we ask ourselves, how will we let that reflect in our lives, in our words, especially in our confession and witness to the world that Jesus is the Christ. In his name, amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In his name, amen. At this time, we continue, as we continue with the gathering of the offering, and as we gather the offering, we sing the remaining five verses of, the remaining verses of, uh, O sons and daughters of the King. <laughs>